This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. As outrage over the summit subsides, it's becoming clear that those criticizing Trump for being too soft on Russia are rank hypocrites. The early signs are that the U.S. is winning the so-called trade war with China and that they are running out of options. And a police shooting in Chicago has sparked riots despite body cam videos showing the fleeing perpetrator reaching for a gun. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirst Radio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. Then you can share it with your friends, start an argument, insult the host, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio, and also on the new Mojo 5.0 radio station on Dash Radio. Where we air each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern. But if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com where you'll find all of the archives. Well, if you want to know why the U.S. Uh, keeps getting involved in uh, foreign adventures and wars uh, that are of absolutely no national interest, if you want to know why we keep uh, getting bogged down in, um, in these intractable conflicts that cost uh, billions and billions of dollars to American taxpayers and why we have a $20 tr- trillion national debt. You can uh, study this reaction to Trump's summit with Putin and, uh, and see exactly the answer to that question. Because the foreign policy establishment in this country, the war party in Washington, D.C., the Democrats and Republicans who get uh, campaign contributions from the military-industrial complex, uh, are not focused on the substantive geopolitical issues. What they're focused on are insignificant um, irritants so that they can continue to gin up conflict and hostility um, overseas, focused, I might add, only on those um, those entities that don't cost their uh, friends on Wall Street, um, such as you know we should be challenging China, but uh, instead of doing that, we're focused on instead um, Russia. But the, um, the, the good thing to come out of all this is that um, the president, by making this gaffe over there that allowed the media and the foreign policy establishment to fall all over itself, has exposed them um, 
as, as being just rank hypocrites. Because the truth of the matter is, this president has been tougher and more effective in responding to China than, um, than any of the, his predecessors uh, sent going back to Ronald Reagan. And by the media ignoring this simple truth, they're, they're exposing themselves as, as the president likes to say, enemies of the American people. They do not have the interests, the economic interests, or even the interests of life and death of the American people at heart. And you would think that it's time, past time, uh, that the media started reporting the truth about who, in fact, has been tough on Russia and who has been um, a pushover. Obama, George W. Bush, and, uh, and Clinton before him all were thoroughly and completely ineffective at dealing with Russia. And in Obama's first year in presidency, he walked back a commitment that the United States had made to put a missile shield, the, the Patriot missile, anti-missile defense system, in Poland and the Czech Republic. He did that to try to facilitate this, uh, this so-called reset with Russia. He was negotiating, as Democrats were wont to do, from a position of weakness. In the first year of Trump's presidency, on the other hand, this president agreed to put the missiles uh, defense systems back into Poland to counter uh, the, the, their concerns with uh, Russia's superior uh, nuclear missiles. So Poland and, and the U.S. have agreed that Warsaw will purchase those American-made uh, Patriot defense batteries, and the Polish government has... Um, has acknowledged that and become uh, a, a stalwart in support of their American allies. Obama didn't lift a finger when, um, when Putin re-annexed the Crimea in, uh, in Ukraine. He didn't uh, provide them with uh, any kind of weaponry to, to defend themselves. The Trump administration, on the other hand, approved a plan to provide lethal weapons to Ukraine. And, um, and stood up against Russian expansionism, so-called. I think it was totally predictable that Russia was going to re-annex uh, the, uh, the Crimea when the Obama administration engineered a coup that overturned the duly elected pro Russian government in the Ukraine. Obama and the European Union worked out a deal with Iran to give that country hundreds of billions of dollars to fortify the regime and allow them to, um, to finance their terrorist activities both in Syria and around the world. There was no actual ag agreement by our Congress, no treaty that was entered into. It was just one of these executive orders negotiated by this English major, Ben Rose, Rhodes, 
who admitted that, uh, that they had lied repeatedly to the media in order to get the deal done and, and even laughed at the gullibility of these, uh, of these journalists who were so enamored with Obama. And even to this day, uh, Iran is using that money to buy weapons, including from Russia. But uh, this president has cut off the spigot to the Iranian tyrants and th therefore stopped that flow of income, military uh, sales to Russia. Obama drew this red line in Syria about chemical weapons. You know, Russia is deeply involved in Syria. Then he did nothing about it. He said that there were chemical attacks, but then he didn't do anything about it. And despite, you know, my feelings about uh, involvement in the Middle East, if you're looking for somebody who is being uh, hard on Russia, you, you don't want to look at uh, uh, Trump he sent cruise missiles over there that attacked airfields and installations that were occupied by Russians. When Russia uh, became aggressive and attacked an American position and then denied that those were Russian troops, this administration obliterated 200 Russian mercenaries. For the first time in um, in several presidencies that the United States actually uh, engaged in direct military conflict with Russia. So all of this, this, this narrative that they put together, oh, this president is soft on Russia, is a farce. The president went over there during the, uh, the NATO summit and pointed out that the deal that Germany had entered into with Russia to take billions of dollars of natural gas through this pipeline and fund Russia was a travesty. He called out our own ally for being dependent on Russia while at the same time they were claiming to be tough on Russia. So, again... This president, negotiating from a position of strength, Obama, Kerry, Hillary, Clinton, Joe Biden, all of these others, a doormat for Russia. And to try to characterize this president as being soft on Russia while at the same time being a cheerleader, which is what the opposition media was, for the Obama administration, well, as I said, it's rank hypocrisy. Putin invaded two countries during Obama's administration, the Ukraine and Georgia. The Obama administration did nothing about it. Trump, on the other hand, has demanded that our NATO partners step up to the plate and live up to their commitments to fund NATO at 2% of their GDP. You think that makes Putin happy? Trump has unleashed our energy uh, sector so that it, is, it has cost Russia dearly 
and their number one and almost um, exclusive export of petroleum and natural gas. And yet, Putin went to this uh, this summit and uh, promised a renewed cooperation with with um, the United States. That is what's called negotiating from strength. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about this uh, this trade war right after these messages on America First Radio. So it would be easy to get depressed or get um, dejected if you watch the opposition media and these uh, these lunatic leftist Democrats or these establishment never Trumpers. And I, I think I saw today that um, the president's approval rating um, with Rasmussen is down a few ticks after this latest outrage campaign in the opposition media. But I would just advise you to take heart because, you know, this is a template that they have uh, engaged in since Donald Trump was elected. It was first that, uh, you know, he had colluded with the Russians. They were uh, in a high dungeon over that. Then it turned out after a while that everything that they had said regarding that had no proof. And that, in fact, it was Hillary Clinton who had engaged in collusion with Russians because she paid an opposition spy to go over there and pay for uh, Kremlin-connected Russians to produce bogus information for this opposition research dossier. Then what was the next one? The Muslim ban. They were they were throwing a fit and and, uh, and protesting. George Soros paid for protesting in airports. Well, it comes out that the American people, uh, to a very large degree agreed with this president that we need to uh, stop immigration and refugees from uh, nations who are hotbeds of Islamic terrorism. And so that faded. Then, the you know, it was just one outrage after another. But the thing that they all have in common is that after the initial um, orgy of outrage, it turns out the president is right. And the same can be said of this latest outrage. It was absolutely right to reach out and try to reestablish relations with Russia. It is absolutely right to do that from a position of strength like this president has as opposed to a, a position of appeasement as the prior administration had done. And, uh, and we're going to get the last word on this as well. I mean, what examples can they cite that indicate that Trump is caving to Putin? He's, he's pushed back against him on all of the hot spots. He's increased the economic sanctions against the oligarchs. He's, uh, um, he's, um, sorry about that. He has... Uh, forced 
Uh, many of their diplomats had. I think the, the number I saw at the last count was about 60 of their diplomats. So in this news conference, one of the things that I took note of is Putin mentioned that uh, the leftist billionaire George Soros has been meddling in U.S. elections. Have you noticed that none of that is being reported in the, the mainstream media? They t just turned a blind eye to that altogether. And you know why that is, don't you? Because George Soros is a major benefactor for the Democrats. And the media like that George Soros meddles in our elections because he does so as a, uh, as a far leftist agitator. They don't mind that he funds Antifa to go into the streets and riot and, uh, and engage in uh, political violence. They don't mind that at all. You saw how after uh, Charlottesville, they completely ignored the fact that um, of what Trump pointed out that uh, Antifa had gone there in order to create a conflict and violence. They had a total meltdown. That was one of their outrage campaigns that went on for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, now they're angry that Trump refused to uh, stand at the podium and declare uh, full faith and allegiance to our deep state. When we saw last week, Peter Strzok, one of these uh, deep state actors that was head of the investigation into Hillary Clinton's uh, espionage violations and who initiated uh, the investigation into the Trump campaign based on nothing, who showed just an unbelievable level of bias and who, if he had been a, uh, a professional and had felt so uh, strongly against Trump, would have recused himself. But I, I still can't understand why they think that, that Trump should declare his allegiance to this group that's been trying to first prevent him from being elected and then unseat him after he became elected. And how do we know that Russia hacked the uh, Democratic National Committee's computers when they have steadfastly refused to let law enforcement forensically examine those computers? And Mueller releasing this, uh, these indictments on the, on the Friday before the Monday summit was rank political interference in foreign policy. And it was foolishness, too, because by indicting Russian spies for spying, which is what spies do, you take that, that whole issue out of the realm of uh, international diplomacy or even intelligence, and you put it into the criminal court system where there's a presumption of innocence until you're proven guilty. So right now, and, and Rod Rosenstein stated this at his news conference announcing these indictments. These Republican, these, um, these, <laughs> these uh, Russian spies have the presumption of innocence. And they will never, ever come into an American courtroom in order to, uh, to face these charges. So they will be declared a, a presumption of innocence from now on. And there's no, no investigation, no criminal investigation where, where you're allowed 
to take the word of a third party of physical evidence. What they have right now, because they're relying on the word of Hillary Clinton's hand-picked data um, company, CrowdStrike, is they've got a bunch of indictments. With, well, there are 11 indictments of 12 Russian spies. These indictments are based on hearsay, inadmissible hearsay. But if this media want to see conclusion, uh, collusion, they can look in a mirror. But it's clear because the last two years, the Obama uh, administration hangers on in the deep state of the FBI and the Justice Department and the State Department and the DNC. And almost 100% of this opposition media colluded to get Hillary Clinton elected and to destroy this president. To this day, this collusion continues, and they act as if this fictitious Russia collusion on the part of Trump is true, and they have zero, zero evidence. And if this media and the other Democrats actually were worried about election integrity, if they were actually worried about others interfering in our elections, why do they oppose voter ID. You had to show an ID in order to get into the Democratic National Committee headquarters. You had to show an ID to get into the Democratic uh, Convention. Why do they steadfastly oppose photo IDs while at the same time fighting for open borders and sanctuary cities? We all know the answer to these questions. They are undermining the United States. They don't care about election integrity. They could care less. This is just a vehicle on which to attack this president. And October's coming, and it's going to be very, I mean, now November's coming, and it's going to be very interesting to see if any of this is actually gaining traction with the American electorate. I hope that we can see through all of these, um, these fa fake outrage campaigns and put this president back into or uh, put this uh, Congress back into office to support this president. The last thing we need is to spend the next two years with the leftist lunatics in the Democrat Party trying to impeach this president. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this so-called trade war that America is clearly winning right after these messages. I got a few more things to say about this this uh, this latest outrage campaign and this foolishness of of uh, ignoring a historic opportunity to uh, to build cooperation and peace with Russians based on this this latest hysteria. Um, Tucker Carlson uh, just had a tour de force on his show last night, talking about how this this deep state cabal has taken over the, the foreign policy of this country and uh, actually forced this president 
to uh, to walk back some of these um, remarks. Actually, what he did is he, he changed one word in his um, in his press conference statement. Uh, I'll just let you hear him explain it to you himself. This is uh, Trump at a, a news conference yesterday, walking back uh, this uh, this statement that he um, he wasn't sure that Russian uh, inter- interfered or meddled in the election. Stand by. I have full faith and support for America's great intelligence agencies. Always have. We are going to try this one more time. I apologize for the technical difficulties. I have full faith and support for America's great intelligence agencies. Always have. And I have felt very strongly that while Russia's actions had no impact at all on the outcome of the election, let me be totally clear in saying that, and I've said this many times, I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. Uh, There was no collusion at all. And people have seen that, and they've seen that strongly. The House has already come out very strongly on that. A lot of people have come out strongly on that. I thought that I made myself very clear by having just reviewed the transcript. Now, I have to say, I came back, and I said, what is going on? What's the big deal? So I got a transcript. I reviewed it. I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave, and I realized that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russian. So... Just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't, and the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video, the sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. I have on numerous occasions noted our intelligence findings that Russians attempted to interfere in our elections. Unlike previous administrations, my administration has and will continue to move aggressively to repeal. So I was pretty disappointed to see the president uh, take back these remarks. I thought that uh, because uh, the um, establishment in Washington and the opposition media had jumped on him so so. Um, unfairly that they were they were really do no explanation but i guess the political pressure uh, against the president was just too much but as i mentioned tucker carlson really uh had a, a takedown of this whole episode on his show last night he says it better than i can so i'm just going to let you listen to uh tucker carlson talk about uh the absurdity of this whole uh this whole fiasco So that's the hostage tape. The president buckled to criticism. I don't know what they're saying. That's exactly what happened. He buckled. And that happens. This is politics, after all. 
What is amazing and unusual and ominous is who made him buckle. The people yelling the loudest about how the Russians are our greatest enemy and Trump is their puppet happen to be the very same people who have been mismanaging our foreign policy for the past two decades. The people who invaded Iraq and wouldn't admit it was a mistake. The people who killed Muammar Gaddafi for no obvious reason and prolonged the horrible Syrian civil war and then threw open the borders of Europe. The ones still defending the pointless Afghan conflict and even now planning brand new disasters around the world in Lebanon, Iran, and yes, in Russia. These are the people who've made America weaker and poorer and sadder. The group whose failures got Trump elected in the first place. You would think by this late date they would be discredited completely and unemployable, wearing uniforms and picking up trash by the side of a turnpike somewhere. But no, they're not. They're hosting cable news shows. They're holding high positions of influence at the State Department. They run virtually every nonprofit public policy institution in Washington. They are still, in some sense, in charge of our national conversation. And naturally, they hate the idea of rethinking or correcting any of the countless blunders they have made over the years. And that's one of the main reasons they hate Trump, because he calls them on those blunders. Now, being Trump, he can't always explain precisely what he means to say. Sometimes he gets the details wrong, or he gets sidetracked with some personal vendetta, as if anybody cares about that ridiculous Jim Acosta guy. Nobody does. But on the big questions, Trump is indisputably right. The Cold War is over. The world has changed. It is time to rethink America's alliances and to act in our own interest for once. Russia is not a close friend of the United States. But the question is, why should we consider Russia a mortal enemy? Of course Russia spies on us. So do a lot of countries, some of them far more effectively than Russia. The Russian attempt to meddle in our election was comically amateurish. Badly targeted Facebook ads almost nobody saw. Compare that effort to the deep penetration of American industry and the defense sector by the communist government of China. Or compare it to the remarkable sway that the Sunni Gulf states have over our political process. Or the fact that Latin American countries are changing election outcomes here by forcing demographic change on this country at a rate that American voters consistently say they don't want. Those are all major challenges from foreign powers to our American democracy. They're real. And yet somehow nobody on cable news seems upset about any of it. Why is that? Well, here's one reason. Many in Washington are getting rich from the Chinese and the Saudis. Latin Americans clean their homes and watch their kids. Those countries can't be our enemies, in their view. But nobody here is getting rich from Russia, so therefore Putin must be a mortal foe. That's what the neocons are telling us we are required to believe. Does anyone actually believe it? Well, no sober person who's read a newspaper this year could recite that talking point without laughing because it's stupid. So the only option, if you want to force the population to accept something ridiculous, is to make sure they don't think too much about it, that they're quiet, they do what they're told. And if you don't believe it, watch what's happening to Trump right now. Watch what's happening to Trump, absolutely. Watch what's happening on social media where uh, dissident voices from the right are being silenced. Watch uh, the, the pressure to conform to this narrative that you can't second-guess the so-called intelligence community, the deep state, despite all of their repeated failures. And, you know, this president has shown some skepticism when listening to the so-called intelligence community. I just wish that George W. Bush had been as, as, as skeptical as Trump toward the intelligence community because 
Thousands of American young sons and even daughters would be alive today. Hundreds of thousands of innocent people in the Middle East would be alive today. But no, we're supposed to ignore the history of misdeeds and incompetence from these people and just fall in line. Here's a clip from Stephen F. Cohen, the uh, professor emeritus from Princeton and New York University. He's a Russia historian talking about why this uh, foreign policy establishment, the war party in Washington, is so angry at Donald Trump making, um, making, trying to make peace with Russia. For 75 years, the president of the United States, beginning with Roosevelt, has met the leader of the Kremlin. Beginning with Eisenhower in the atomic age, the main purpose was to avoid war with Russia. Right now, we are in a new Cold War fraught with hot war from Ukraine to the Baltic region to Syria. President Trump did not have a choice. He had to go, as his predecessors did, to meet with the leader of the Kremlin, Putin. And he did. We don't know exactly what they decided. We will learn. But never, never, not only in my lifetime or history, has a president coming back from doing his duty to avoid war with Russia been greeted with this pornography passing as news analysis and commentary. He is literally being called traitorous, a treasonous. And I don't know what we're going to do, because if we can't discuss the issue, how can we think about our policy? But there is a good piece of news, and I'll state it quickly. Ever since the Soviet Union ended, relations with Russia have gotten worse and worse, and now we are where we are. And we ask ourselves, why did that happen? Communism is gone, the Soviet Union is gone. And the answer here is always, it's an orthodoxy. It's, it's biblical. You can't dissent from it without being accused of being pro-Kremlin. The answer is, Russia's to blame. Putin's to blame. The United States has done nothing wrong. And now, the President of the United States has said, some, has said something absolutely heretical. He said it first in a tweet, and then after the meeting with Putin. And it was very simple, but it was profoundly true. He said, we have bad relations today because both sides are to blame. And I think that's what underlies their fury at him, that he has become a heretic in the American policy system. He has, he has challenged the fundamental axiom yes. of American foreign policy for 25 years. All right, leave this Russiagate aside because I can't find a fact to support it. What President Trump has done, and in this regard, though I didn't vote for him, I say three cheers for President Trump. He has said, look, we are in a dangerous situation with Russia, and it's not just Russia that's to blame, we are to blame. We did wrong-headed things back in the 90s and since. What we need to do is we speak. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this trade war right after these messages on America First Radio.
So for almost 30 years now, the economic elite in this country have been worshiping at the altar of so-called free trade, uh, and they've shipped thousands and thousands of American factories and millions of American jobs overseas and been allowed unfettered access to the American market to re-import those products back into America. It has caused uh, a, a hemorrhaging of America's middle class, which is the backbone of what a democracy is built on, a middle class. And at the same time, these, uh, these economic elites on Wall Street and uh, in Washington have gotten fat and happy. So finally, we had a, a candidate uh, who was able to finance his own campaign and Americans grabbed at the opportunity to vote for him, and he is keeping his word and trying to address these disastrous trade imbalances that have just hemorrhaged um, prosperity from our country and at the same time created a military and industrial superpower out of a communist dictatorship that should be um, eyed with suspicion at the very least. And the beauty of all of this is, despite the fact that these, uh, these same free traders, acolytes, have been melting down and, and engaged in a uh, very dishonest public relations campaign to, uh, to claim that uh, the United States will ultimately lose this, um, this effort, this trade war, as they like to call it, the early signs are that is, it's coming out just the opposite. And um, uh, Liz Peake, writing for The Hill, has got a great column. She says, don't look now, but there are numerous signs that President Trump is winning the trade war with China. While the battle over tariffs and protecting intellectual property may eventually damage the United States economy, there are signs that China is already paying its pro a price for its refusal to bend to Trump's command demands. One indicator is the price uh, of a sharp plunge in China's stock exchanges. Since the White House announced the first tariffs on washing machines and uh, solar cells on January 22nd, the Shanghai index of Chinese stocks is down nearly 20%, 20%, while our S&P 500 is off less than 1%. If it only costs the United States economy a 1% um, hit in the stock market that this president has been responsible for uh, seeing an increase of over 22%, then that will be a small price to pay in order to address these, uh, these trade abuses by China. I'm going to start paraphrasing now. The decline of the shares uh, in the Chinese stock market um, would... Uh, to hear the free traders say it would be exactly contrary to what uh, they said would happen. You would expect an increase in their tri trade prices, but it didn't happen. What does that tell you? It tells you that investors think that China has far more to lose than the United States, and they are absolutely correct. China's government is more concerned about saving face than actually... Um, addressing our concerns 
and they've tried to match uh, the the tariffs that Trump has uh, put put forward, but they don't have enough trade. They don't buy enough American goods to match it. So Trump announced very um, very astutely uh, a, a package of about thirty six to fifty billion dollars worth of items that he was going to uh, institute tariffs on to try to make them correct their behavior. When they retaliated, Trump turned around and and uh, prepared another two hundred uh, tariffs on another two hundred billion dollars worth of goods, which totally wiped out China's ability to retaliate because. We only sell about $170 billion worth of goods into their market. They, they sell about $700 billion a year in goods into our market. At the same time this is going on, they're stealing our intellectual property blind. So the American stock market is going up. Their stock market is tanking. And at some point, the Chinese leaders um, are going to have to come to terms with the United States is in a stronger position not to not to punish them or to uh, try to pursue a trade war, but to try to get them to reciprocate against uh, with the United States uh, in this this uh, these trade agreements. They can't charge us twenty five percent tariffs on cars coming into their markets while we charge two and a half percent and and then expect us not to address that imbalance. And you see these um, these spokesmen. Uh, for the Chinese government saying how unfair all of this is. It's an absolute joke. Uh, so the the biggest problem here is uh, similar to, you know, the foreign policy regime. We're going to have to ignore these elites that got us into this mess long enough for this president to straighten it out. Here's Larry Kudlow, a free trader himself, who is a, uh, uh, become the president's national economic advisor, uh, talking about um, the current state of the economy. Recession in sight. There's no recession in sight. Okay, I just want to make that point. Right. No recession in sight right now. So then we can put more tariffs if we have to. Let's say if we put tariffs on German autos. Look, a lot of discussions are being held with the individual countries. Right now, behind the right scenes. Right now. Right now, um, Jean-Claude Juncker, the head of the EU, is coming to Washington next week. We will be in discussions. I am told he's bringing a very important uh, free trade offer. Okay? I'm told. I can't confirm that. This is what I'm hearing. It could lower barriers on both sides. That would yes. be very bullish, Larry. Yes, it could. So... Right now, the American economy is strong. It is absolutely the the exact right time to engage in uh, these uh, these measures, and uh, and China is in a weak position to try to uh, to push back. But you don't hear any support from this pres for this president, uh, except for you know a, a small body of economic nationalists, the bought and paid for um, politicians in Washington, D.C. are all pushing back against it, and the economic elite is trying to figure out a way to sabotage the economy so that they can roll on with their uh, their huge profits at the, at the expense of America's Main Street. 
Well, in the short time we've got left, I want to talk about this uh, situation in Chicago. On July 14th, uh, 37-year-old Harith Augustus was stopped by Chicago police because it appeared that he was carrying a sidearm, and Chicago has the, the most restrictive gun laws in the nation. So while they tried to uh, detain him, this, uh, this guy broke loose and began to run. When they gave chase, he reached for his, uh, his weapon, and the officers uh, opened fire and killed him. That's what happens when you pull a gun on a police officer. You are subject to be shot and killed. If you try to take a police officer's gun, always remember this. Tell your children. You are subject to be shot and killed. The cop's got to err on the side of uh, safety for himself. Now, this is a cut-and-dry situation. They've got body cam video showing this guy reaching for his gun before he is shot. But none of that has stopped this Black Lives Matter movement from mobilizing in the street and rioting the very next night, injuring more officers and civilians. And, and the release of the video has altered their, uh, their uh, protest not one little bit. So, you know, police shootings don't get more cut and dried than this. You got a man with a gun, stopped by police, starts running away, reaches for his gun. Police officer has seconds to make a decision to save his life, makes the correct decision, and eliminates the threat. But, ladies and gentlemen, the truth no longer matters to these people. Only their narrative matters. It never really has. The truth mattered. The Michael Brown thing was bogus. The uh, Trayvon Martin thing. If you if you uh, take and bang somebody's head against a concrete sidewalk, you better hope that guy doesn't have a gun because if he does, he's going to shoot you. But this whole narrative is uh, you can't shoot a black person because it is by definition, if you do, racism. And it is a toxic and destructive narrative that's already led to violence. Black Lives Matter uh, movement and the hysteria uh, aided and abetted by Barack Obama led to the murder of over a half a dozen police officers. This narrative says that police officers deliberately target black people for murder and these police are out of control. You got Sean King on, on Twitter constantly beating this drum. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow night for another edition on Mojo 5.0 and the Talk America Radio Network. If you have thyroid eye disease and you can't get any shut-eye because you can't shut your eyes, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.